Our reading today is taken from God's Word in Paul's letter to the Corinthians. And we read from 1 Corinthians 16, verses 1 to 4, from the New International Version. And this section is entitled, The Collection for, for the Lord's People. And Paul says, Now about the collection for the Lord's people, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up, so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. Then, when I arrive, I will give letters of introduction to the men you approve and send them with your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable for me to go also, they will accompany me. God's word to us. Amen. Sometimes children are too honest. They say things that would be better kept quiet. I remember once talking to a mum who took her young daughter along to, not my own church, a different church, and she encouraged her to take part in the service by putting some of her money in the offering, which she did. And the mum was mortified when, as the service progressed, the daughter was heard quite distinctly to say, I'm not enjoying this. I want my money back. (laughs) So the topic of this week's sermon is the offering. Most, but not all, churches have an offering or a collection during the service. And the principle behind the practice goes all the way back to the very early days of the church, when, as we've seen, the Apostle Paul encourages people to set aside some money on the first day of the week in accordance with their income or in accordance with the amount at which God has prospered them doesn't specify an amount, just says each person will have a different amount of disposable income and in, as a, an expression of that, as a proportion of that, they should look and give some of it to God. They should set aside some of it uh, for the collection. And then that money would be gathered together and taken by the church's appointed representatives to relieve, in this case, the poverty being experienced by their brothers and sisters in Christ in Jerusalem. This was Paul's big project As the gospel had come from Jerusalem to the world, he wanted to take back to Jerusalem offerings from churches throughout the nations to say, look what God has done. God has turned people to Christ and these are the offerings that all these churches established in the name of Jesus are bringing back to you as a sign of our fellowship together in Christ. It was his vision and expression of the unity of the church. But there you have it, on a lesser scale, what he was doing does set out in black and white the principle for taking up an offering on a Sunday morning. It has a scriptural basis. How do you feel about it? If you're not used to going to church, the announcement that there's going to be an offering can be an occasion for some embarrassment. Oh, didn't realise I'd have to give something. Well, it's not true, actually. Nobody has to give anything. And no one's going to be bothered, let you know the secret, no one's going to be bothered if you just let the collection bag pass by without putting anything in it. Because actually these days a lot of people give by standing order. They don't need to put anything in the bag because they've already given by other means. So if you want to look good, actually, let the bag go by because people will think that you've signed up already for a vast amount of money and they'll respect you for it. But seriously, don't worry what other people think of you. No one gives it a second thought. No one else is watching 
to see what you do when the bag passes by. Other people feel less embarrassed and perhaps sometimes perhaps a bit irritated. I didn't want to come in the first place and now they want me to pay for the privilege. Well, if that is how the church has ever made you feel, I can only apologise. Because the purpose of the offering is never to extract money from reluctant participants. To be sure, like any other organisation, the church needs money to operate. But the reason why we make the offering part of a service of worship is not that it's a chance to fleece unsuspecting newcomers, but because the offering is an expression of worship. It's another way of giving to God gladly, willingly and with joy. The Bible says that the Lord loves a cheerful giver. His love for you does not vary in accordance with the amount that you put in the bag or keep in your wallet. It's the attitude of generosity that finds expression in the act of giving. That's what gladdens his heart, not the amount that we put in, whether it's coins or notes or a cheque. There is a Jewish saying which puts it well. The man who gives little with a smile gives more than the man who gives much with a frown. It's what's in your heart, not what goes in the bag, which really matters as far as God is concerned. On a humorous note there has been a complaint diagnosed known as cirrhosis of the giver. It was discovered in the early church by a couple called Ananias and Sapphira. It's been described as an acute condition which renders the patient's hand immovable when they are called upon to raise it in the direction of the wallet or a purse, and then transfer the contents to the offering bag in church. The easiest remedy is simply to remove the patient from the house of God, since it's clinically observable that this condition does not occur in other places, like the supermarket, a restaurant, or a club. But of course the best therapy, a sure and lasting cure, is to get right with God, since this condition is symptomatic of a more serious problem, that of heart disease. If your heart is right with God, giving will be a natural expression of that. But why should that be the case? What is it about God that inspires people to part with their money so gladly and willingly when the offering bag comes round? It's not that an encounter with God has switched off their financial common sense. Far from it. It's that an encounter with the grace of God has filled their lives with such a sense of God's goodness that they are inspired to be generous in response. Generosity is the key. In fact, though you wouldn't know it from the NIV translation, when Paul talks of sending the gift of money from Corinth to Jerusalem, the word he actually uses is grace. Sending your grace to Jerusalem. And grace is a word which carries with it connotations of abundance. God's grace to us is manifested in his, his steadfast love, which is given without limits. God is not stingy in the way in which he loves us and forgives us. He is generous in that respect. He is ready to forgive absolutely anything. He fills our hearts with a sense of his goodness so that they overflow in praise and worship. And he endows us with an abundance of spiritual gifts so that we can enhance the lives of those around us. Grace 
is reflected in how God acts towards us. And grace is simply a way of which we respond to God's goodness to us. It's about being super good to other people out of a generosity of spirit, without ulterior motives, without expecting anything back in return, without manipulation. Just giving for the joy of giving and blessing for the joy of seeing someone else blessed. And anyone who's been a recipient of grace is going to say, wow, that was amazing. Sometimes people who are recipients of grace do feel a bit uncomfortable. They say, well, you know, I want to to pay something. You're doing this for me, can I pay you for it? Can I repay you for it? Actually, grace says, no, just accept it with gratitude. Because that's, that's the response God looks for from us. The nature of grace is such that you, you pass it on. You can't keep it to yourself. So we love others as we ourselves have been loved. We forgive others because we ourselves have been forgiven. You give to others because you yourself have received so much. Grace is the antithesis of self-centred individualism. Grace is at the heart of what church should be about. Not what's in it for me, but what can I give to bless those around me. So we have offerings. Not because we want to extract money from reluctant givers, but because worship, as a response to God's goodness and grace, provides an opportunity to celebrate God's goodness and grace by giving something back. And what delights God is not the amount that goes in the bag, but the generous and willing spirit in which it is given. It's a chance for us to say in a very practical way, it's not about me. It's not about my wants and my needs and my priorities, my introspection, my anxieties. It's about God and his goodness and his love and his grace. And it's about other people whom I can bless by my generous and cheerful giving. So we give because God is good. And in discovering his goodness, we've discovered something which money can't buy. So the celebration comes, not in the receiving when they're counting the offering in the room there, but the celebration comes in the joy of giving. All very well, you might say, but how much should I put in? Well, that is entirely up to you. How good has God been to you? How much do you feel like worshipping him? Yet if we're going to be committed to a church, if we're going to find our place as a regular member of the extended family to which we belong, and particularly if we become a church member and accept our share of responsibility for the life and work of the church, then there is an element of discipline and responsibility as well. After a Paul does tell the Corinthians to set aside some money each week, not in accordance with whether you're feeling particularly in a good and happy mood that day, but in accordance with the level of income you have or the level of prosperity that God has given to you. And clearly from his point of view, his hope is that their level of giving will be such that when he comes, there won't be a scurrying round to get a respectable amount to take to Jerusalem. They will have saved up faithfully week by week so that there is a generous gift, an expression of God's grace that can go to God's people in Israel. From my point of view as a minister, one of my many joys about being here in Brighton Road is that this is a church which is both generous and faithful in its giving. God bless you for that. 
This church receives no income apart from what is donated by people here and the income we get by the use of buildings. That not only pays my stipend, thank you, and the wages of our staff members, but it also enables us to give generous support to mission agencies working locally and around the world. When it comes to the many activities and ministries run by us as a church, it means that so much of what we do, the cost of that is borne by us, not passed on to those outside. We, are, we don't run toddlers as a money-making exercise. We don't run image as a money-making exercise. We don't rake it in from the people who come to pop in on a Wednesday or PMA or any of the other things that we do for the community. We do it and we finance it because it's giving. And it's generous giving that makes that possible. What we do is designed to be an expression of grace, not a means of raising funds. But for us to be able to do that, it does entail a substantial commitment on the part of regular attenders and members. If every member, if the amount we needed to run were to be divided equally amongst the members, I think we'd be looking for each member to give something just over £15 a week to enable the church to run. And the income we get from the buildings makes that. I didn't check that figure with Carol, so you might say it's more, in which case, but it's at least £15 a week to run. So when I say some people are extremely generous, you know that I mean precisely what I say. People give generously and faithfully here. If you're not used to giving, the thought of parting with that much money, just giving it away, 15 quid a week, that can come as a bit of a shock and can seem quite unthinkable at first. Though apparently, according to the Office of National Statistics, it is on a par with the amount the average household spent last year on drinks and meals out and takeaways. So as so often, it is just a case of what we choose to do with our disposable income. In the Old Testament, people were encouraged to tithe, to give a tenth of their income to God, though part of that could be blown on a holiday in the capital city. Some people still say that tithe is a good guideline about how much you should give, but people tithe different amounts. Some tithe what's left over at the end of the month, which might not be very much. Others tithe after paying essential bills. Others tithe net or gross income, giving some to the church or the rest of good courses. Others say, well, this is how much we need to live on, the rest we will give away. Other people say, all my money belongs to God and I will, I will be faithfully use all of it in his service while enabling myself to live comfortably. And actually, you know, different people do it different ways and we are not prescriptive here. But it's just good to give. Because the bizarre thing is that time and time again, research has shown that giving is good for you. I should have said as well, if Carol were here, she'd ask me to say this, if you gift aid it, the government chip in with a nice donation as well. But the bizarre thing is that time and time again, research has shown that giving is good for you. People who give generously to charity feel good when they've done it. And the closer the connection to the cause they're giving or the people they're giving to, the better they feel about it. What's more, other people benefit from your generosity, especially if they are direct or indirect recipients. So it's a win-win situation. You give... Someone receives, that makes them better. You give, you feel good, that makes you better. What's to lose? And that applies to the the nature of giving whatever it is, not just financial giving, but the giving of time, the giving of talents, the giving of hospitality. When we give, others are blessed, and we are blessed in the act of giving. And Jesus actually said, and he knew what he meant when he said it, it is more blessed to give 
than to receive. And giving is countercultural. The power of advertising over the last 50 or 60 years has created a culture of individual consumerism, where the more we spend on ourselves, the better it is for the economy. The economy is pretty much driven by that principle. That's driven living standards up, but it certainly hasn't made us any happier or released us into being more generous. And that's because actually God made us, God put us together, God wired us to be generous people. So that if you give freely, that is one of the key ways in which you reflect the image of God in whom you were made. And when you are generous, you find God's blessing in unexpected ways. You might ask, don't people who give stuff away lose out in the long term? Paradoxically, at least in God's kingdom, the opposite appears to be true. Bishop Benjamin Vaughan put it extremely well when he said that by a strange Christian logic, we find in every case that keepers become poor while givers have all they need in abundance. I recognise that that principle is, is, is um, exploited and misused and there is a great deal of manipulation into giving in some parts of our globe, which actually is, is sinful. I want nothing whatsoever to do with that. But actually the, the basic principle that God blesses generosity, there is a core of truth there. It may be down to a state of mind. People who give generously are often happier to go without what they've given. Whereas hoarders will always want more than what they've got and will be less satisfied with what they have. To some, to some extent, it's a state of mind. But equally and bizarrely, God seems capable of arranging things so that generous people find there is more money left at the end of the month because what they have left goes further. Whereas those who are stingy often find it harder to make ends meet. Don't ask me how that works, but time and time again that has been borne out in people's experience. So there you go. We worship a generous God who delights in a generous people. Giving is part of believing in the God who gives. And God gave his son for us. So next time the offering bag comes around, don't see it as a ploy on our part to extract money from you. See it as a chance to to be generous as God has been generous to you. Because whether it's a matter of what God gives to us or what we give to others, It's all about grace. Grace which blesses and enriches in abundance. So let's pray. Lord, thank you for your grace towards us. For your love which comes without conditions. For your forgiveness which is far more than we deserve for the many ways in which you enrich our lives. For your goodness in place of so much which is rubbish in our hearts. Thank you that you you give by sending your Son to be our Redeemer. You give by sending your Spirit to, to, to fill our lives with your presence. Thank you that you are a generous God. Release your grace into our hearts and minds. May we be people filled to overflowing with your grace, with your goodness, with your love, with your 
generosity, not just in terms of money we put in the offering, but in terms of our, our time and our gifts and our openness to others and our homes. Lord, may we be people of grace because we belong to the God of grace and we delight in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.